Well, boy, it is great to be with you today. And before we get uh, rolling, can we just thank everybody for tuning in online? Just want to say hello to them and make sure you feel welcome and a part of our weekend gathering. I love this series that we're in. We just simply called it Yes, because all of us, even as followers of Jesus, will constantly, especially in the season, have to make decisions. What are we gonna say no to? What are we gonna say yes to? And what the whole goal of this series is this, that we would root our no in a deeper yes in Jesus. That before we start making decisions, we'd say, Jesus, we're gonna root all of our decisions through you, our life, our identity. And I love what Caleb said in the video announcements that we've had over 20 new groups start. We had a couple hundred new people join existing groups and we can't just encourage you enough, man. If you're doing life alone as a follower of Jesus, he has called us to be the church and you can sign up out at the living room in the lobby or online, but we want to do this together as we say yes to Jesus. You know, last week, I loved it. We, had, uh, we gathered a couple new people in our life group this last couple weeks, and it's been a joy to have them in, to hear their story, and to walk together. And last week, we talked about prayer. Because Jesus, when life got overwhelming, and life is going to be overwhelming for all of us at some point or time, what Jesus said yes to when life got overwhelming was he got a way to pray. To say, God, life is overwhelming. I'm exhausted. I got to get away with you so I can solidify my yes. So I can begin to make wise decisions. And over 14 times throughout the book of Mark, which is the book we're walking through, Jesus gets away. He gets away to just listen to his heavenly father and to figure out what God has for him to do next. Today, we're going to be talking about an unexpected yes. About how Jesus unexpectedly said yes to people that everybody else had said no to. And I love this about Jesus, and we've got to pay attention to this because he does things differently than everybody else. What we think we have all figured out, Jesus walks in a different way. I don't know about you, but as I was looking at this passage this week, I was thinking of a ton of times where I thought I had everything figured out only to have the unexpected happen. Anybody, you have like a memorable moment? I remember my most memorable moment when I thought I had everything figured out, but I didn't was when I was 15. And that might have been part of the reason, right? Because when you're 15, you have everything figured out. Uh, but I remember I was 15, I had my learner's permit. I was driving my dad and we were out of gas and we pulled into a gas station and uh, dad got out to pump the car full of gas. And then he went in and I was driving and the whole rule with permits are you can't drive without a parent in the car. And what happened was my dad went in to pay in the gas station. And as I saw he was wrapping up, two girls from my high school were about ready to walk into the gas station. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool if I just pulled up, like just kind of like slow-mo, you know, like just pulled up and just picked up dad to where they thought, oh man, he must have his license. He's really cool, you know, and just kind of, that way I just kind of give him that like, what up girl, you know? And, and then that way at school, I talk, I had it all planned out, man. This is gonna go great. I know it was against the law, but that's all right. You know, I'm just gonna drive 20 feet, pick up dad, things are good. As I began to drive forward with the car, my dad, you know, had his head walking out. He was walking out. And he just gets these bug eyes, looked at me, right? He sees the car coming out and he gets bug eyes and he just starts going, no, no. And I'm like, it's 20 feet, big deal. He didn't go in to pay. He went in to tell the manager that the pump was broken and he left the pump in the car. And when I pulled away, I ripped the gas hose off of the pump. Gas started spraying everywhere. I got their attention. What up, girl? No, actually, it was at night, and I lowered the visor so they couldn't see my face. It's amazing what happens when we think we have it all figured out, isn't it? 
Boy, if we just make decisions, I got this figured out. This is going to work great, man. I know what I'm doing. And the only thing is this. I, in that moment, I had really had no idea. But here's the deal about this. The reason why I share that story is this. I had a perspective. I thought I knew how this was going to work out. But my dad could see what I couldn't see. My dad had a different view. My dad could see actually what was going on behind me. He was, could see what was going on around me. And he was trying to wave me down going, Nathan, you think you know what you're doing, but you have no idea. And here's the reason why we're deepening our yes in Jesus today. Because oftentimes we think we know what we're doing. And Jesus is waving us down going, I know you think you have a plan, but hold up, hold up. I have a bigger plan for you. Because here, if you're taking notes, here's kind of the big idea for today. When we talk about an unexpected yes, this is why we want to deepen our yes in Jesus is because Jesus can see what you and I can't see. Man, Jesus can see what's going on, not just in our life. He can see what's going on around our life. And when he begins to speak into our life, he's not just trying to take fun out of our life. He's just going, hey, I want you to experience all that I have for you because Jesus can see what we can't see. This is why Jesus was so unexpected to so many. People were expecting this conquering king. People were expecting all these other things. And when this Jesus showed up, it didn't meet a bunch of people's expectations. And see, before we move forward in life, we got to take our time to really put our eyes on Jesus. That's why today we're going to look at one of the most unexpected passages. It's in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. If you've got your Bible, you can open to that or your version Bible app on your phone. It's a free Bible app. It's awesome. I encourage you to download that or it'll be up on the screen. But listen to this unexpected story of Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. It said, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Jesus is going away to pray. He knows this, I'm going to spend time with people, but man, I've got to go be alone with my father. And as he's out there praying, a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him, Jesus. And when the teachers of the law saw who were the when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, "Why does he eat with with tax collectors and sinners?" Can you see their point of view? They're going that's not what the savior of the world's going to do. My idea of a savior of the world would not eat with tax collectors and sinners. Why is he doing this? And then I love what verse 17, the Pharisees went and asked the disciples the question. Listen what it says in verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, he cuts out the middleman. He hears them talking. He's like, I'll tell you why I'm doing this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor the sick. See, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus in that moment did not meet the expectations of the Pharisees. Because here's the deal, Jesus can see what you and I can't see. 
Jesus could see the sinners that were around him that everybody else had said no to. And let me give you a little just background here about Levi because we hear the word tax collector and we go, big deal, it works for the IRS. None of us like paying taxes, get over it. What was the big deal? Let me just give you a little cultural background here. I didn't realize until I began to really dive into this. See, what happened is Levi, was a, he was a Jew. He's part of the Israelite nation. And when the Roman empire came in, they took over all of Israel. They took over all of the Jewish nation. They started taxing them through the nose. And then they would use all their money to throw parties for themselves. So the Romans were hated. And here Levi is a good Jewish boy. He sells out his own nation, nationality, his own people. And he goes on to be a tax collector for Rome. And not only does he collect taxes for them, he charges a little bit more to rip his people off a little bit more to put more in his pocket. See, Levi began to believe this philosophy. If you can't beat them, what? Join them. How do we feel about people like that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. right? Yeah, I, I ain't helping you. See, I, I, I kind of resonate with why the Pharisees had a problem here. Because all they can see is Levi. And when they see Levi, all they see is this tax collector who's ripping off people, who's oppressing people. And it's like, get away from me, you sinner. And Jesus walks up and he says, Levi, I want you to follow me. Here's why this didn't compute for the Pharisees. They had rabbis at the time, and the rabbis were only to select those who were like the elite of the elite. The people who had it all figured out, the people who had the first five books of the Bible memorized, hello, right? You know, go through that exam, right? I mean, they had the Bible memorized, they had everything together, and then, only then, if the rabbi thought they were good enough, would they call him to follow me? And Jesus shows up and says, Levi, you've messed up your life, you've done everything wrong, you've thrown everybody under the bus. Come on and follow me. See, Jesus sees what we can't see in this story. He goes, you know, this is what I have for you. And, And I love the Pharisees' honesty here. When they just simply say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And you know why oftentimes, just like the Pharisees, we can't see what Jesus sees? It's because the Pharisees start with what when Jesus starts with why. This is a big differentiation here. The Pharisees only started with what? There's a tax collector and a sinner. Jesus starts with, here's a man named Levi that I want to follow me. Matter of fact, this is how this plays out. This is why oftentimes we miss what Jesus is doing. Uh, In in his book, uh, Simon Sinek, he has an incredible book called Start With Why. And he says, we miss purpose in our life. And he's not just talking about spirituality. He's just talking about the way the the world works. But this is the way that Jesus works. The Pharisees started with their what, which led to their how, which confused their why, meaning this. Their what was this, you're a tax collector and sinner. And so you know, since you're that, guess how I'm gonna treat you? I'm out. And this is why they're so confused because they don't know their why. But the way Jesus works is this. He starts with why, which leads to his how, which leads to his what, meaning this. He starts with saying this, here's his why. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've not come to call those who have their life together. I've come to call those who don't have their life together. I know why I'm here. I know my purpose. Simon Sinek says, this is why Martin Luther King Jr. in his speech started with this. I have a what? Dream. And he didn't start with, I have a plan. Everybody listen up. 
Everybody's like, who cares about your plan? Martin Luther King Jr. goes, I have a dream. It is in my bones. It's who I am. I'm longing. I will sacrifice for this. I will be persecuted for this. And I am okay with that. And Jesus in this moment goes, I know why I've come. I've come not for the righteous, but I've come for the sinners. And can I just give you a little inside? We're all sinners. I don't know if you knew that, right? But we all are. Matter of fact, some people say this, I'll talk to them about their faith that, you know, they'll hear about what I do as a pastor. I'll just invite some friends to church and they go, oh man, I don't want to go to church because church is full of hypocrites. Anybody ever have say that to you? Anybody ever say that and you're here today, right? You know, I say, and when people say that to you, they go, oh, Nate, you're a great guy, but man, I don't want to go to church, but church is full of hypocrites. You know what I tell them? Yes, we are. And you're like, you do? Why don't, don't tell that to people. Then they really won't come. No, no, no. Here's why I tell people, that's right. We're full of hypocrites. Because that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Because all of us are hypocrites. Because all of us have not lived up to our commitment to Jesus. And I love what my dad says is this growing up. He said, when people say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites, he said, you tell them, yes, we are. And there's room for one more. So we'll see you this weekend. And, uh, and I love that, man. I love it, right? Because all of us are there. And in this moment, Jesus knows his why. See, this is why he can see what we don't see. Man, when he shows up on the scene, he goes, everybody only sees Levi as a tax collector and sinner. And I see him as somebody I've come to save. I've come to give my life for him. Yes, his life is messed up. Yes, he has all sorts of problems. Yes, he's you know, sinful in all these ways. But how in the world is he gonna get clean if all we do is back away? from them. See, for oftentimes we get stuck in the what and we never understand Jesus's why. He's not minimizing sin. What he's doing is this. He's elevating humanity saying, I see you right where you are. I see you in your struggle. I know the pain. I know the addiction. I know the struggle and I am stepping into your story. How do we become people who move from the what to the why? Because oftentimes, isn't it a whole lot easier just to judge people and feel like we've done a good service for them? Hey, let me tell you 10 places where you're messing up in your life. You can thank me later, right? And we think that that's our role. That's not our role. But you know how we move from being people of what to being people of why? Two words, you ready? They're Jesus's words. Follow me. And follow me. Matter of fact, let's say those two words together on count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Follow me. This is what Jesus says. If you want to be somebody who moves from a what mentality and you want to see how I see, you want to love the world as I love you, and you want to move to being a person of not what, but why, here's what you do. You just follow me. 18 times throughout the book of Mark, Jesus says that phrase, follow me. Follow me. God, I want to follow you. I just know all my sins and struggles and, and my imperfections and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Follow me. Follow me. God, I don't know how I'm going to love those people. Don't you know what they did last night? Don't you see their Facebook, God? Don't you have Facebook? <laughs> follow me. See, Levi's life turned around when he actually accepted those two words, follow me. 
this tax collector and sinner. Let me just tell you what happened in Levi's life real, real quick. Because what happens is you and I are on this journey of following Jesus. This is why we need a church family. This is our calling, man, that all of us together are following Jesus, encouraging one another, praying with one another. This is why we have life groups, not to meet just as a life group, but to encourage one another to follow Jesus. And let me just tell you what happens in Levi's life when he begins to follow Jesus. One, he leaves his tax collecting stand, which meant this. He left a very lucrative job. And what the role was this, his thought process was cash is king. And now what he's saying is this, Jesus, more than cash is king, you're my king. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to provide for me. And what happens is over and over in Levi's life, his name's also Matthew. What happens is he leaves his tax collecting stand. He begins to follow Jesus. He becomes one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And you know the gospel called Matthew? This guy wrote. See, here's what happens. God does things in your life and my life that we could never see until we live out the words, follow me. See, God sees you. God knows your story. And he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to come after what I have. See, Jesus didn't wait for Levi to come clean. Jesus came to make Levi clean. This is how we begin to see the ways of Jesus. This is how we begin to live this out. Just two simple words, follow me. And what happens when we begin to follow him, man, it is unbelievable because here's what happens. Follow me changes how we see. Follow me, if you're writing down, you want to write this down. Follow me, it changes how we see and it changes how we see other people. I don't know if you caught this in this passage here, but it said a large crowd came to Jesus and he began to teach them. So you got a room full of people, you know, just a mess of people coming after Jesus. So the crowd comes to him and then as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. He saw Levi. I love what one of my friends said literally last weekend uh, after service, he came up to me and uh, he moved here from Texas a couple years ago. And he said, man, he said, this is the biggest, smallest church I've ever been to. I said, I have no idea what you're saying. What are you saying, man? You know, help me out here. He goes, you know, I'm not from this area and I've moved in here. And he goes, so many people at this church have asked who I am. He goes, there's different people who serve as section host here and they come up and they ask what's going on in my life and they ask my name and I'm not even from here, man. And he goes, and, and this, this place is so big, but it is so small. And can, can I just tell you guys, I hope we never lose that heart here. Man, I hope we are people who are always seeing people all around us. And just because we're large in size and number or just because we're online, man, we don't miss what God sees. But we see the people all around us. See, this is the beauty of Jesus. A crowd of people are all around him. And it says, and he looks and he saw Levi, which means this. And Mark is flying through here, but he knows Levi. He knows his name. He knows his story. He knows what's going on in his life. See, that's what the church is to look like. And a little bit further down, here it is after Jesus has this large crowd all around him and he sees Levi. A little bit later on, there's a smaller crowd where the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, now they're just with the disciples and the tax collectors. And this is what that, it says. It says, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked him, why does he do it? Did you hear the difference? Jesus in a large crowd sees Levi. The Pharisees in a small crowd, all they see is sinners and tax collectors. There's an old quote that I love. It goes like this. Satan 
knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. That's a very big difference, isn't it? And man, as Christians, this is how we're called to live in the world. Boy, it's easy to call people by their sin. And Jesus sees Levi. He knows his sin. He knows his story. And he calls him by his name. He says, Levi, I want you to follow me. See, everything Jesus did was relationally. See, that, that's what moves us, isn't it? It's people who knows, they know our name, they know our story, and they take time to walk with us. This is why I love Jesus in Luke chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 11, Luke chapter 15. You know what his nickname is all throughout the Gospels? I love this nickname. I hope it's true of us. It's just a simple nickname. All that Jesus, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. Well, I think that is one of the greatest nicknames that we could carry as a church, that we are a friend of sinners. And we don't start with who's in and who's out and who's this and who's that, because it's so easy to start there. Matter of fact, I came across this quote in a book called A Gentle Answer by Scott Sauls, because right now, have you noticed everybody's angry? I don't know if you noticed that, right? A lot of angry people out there. There's a lot of things to be angry over. But listen what Scott Saul says as Christians in his book, A Gentle Answer. He says this, I love this quote. He says, Jesus and Christianity do not discriminate between good people and bad people or the righteous people and the unrighteous people or the in people and the out people. Instead, Jesus and Christianity discriminate between humble people and proud people. That's the difference. James chapter four, verse six says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. You know why Jesus ate with those tax collectors and sinners that day? Because he actually loved them. And if we're gonna be people who reach the world, we're gonna need to be people who actually will take the time to eat with the world. Because when you eat with people, you begin to hear their story, you begin to hear their life. Had lunch with a couple friends this week. Incredible just to catch up, to hear what's going on, to love and to walk with people, to make time with people, to pray for people, to give time with one another. It's so easy to start with what we're against. Don't start with what, start with why. Now here's the thing, sometimes we don't think about it, right? Until we say, hey, would you sit down and have lunch with someone who voted differently than you? Mm-mm. Hey, would you take time to sit down and talk with a Highlander? Mm-mm. No, I'm just joking, Highlanders, all right? Now we're getting personal, aren't we, right? You know, now, no, no, here's the thing, right? Because we are, it's easy to start drawing lines. And Jesus comes in and he goes, oh, no, no, no. I know these tax collectors and sinners have problems. That's why I'm eating with them. That's why I'm with them. Because it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And I haven't come for the righteous but I've come for sinners. And here's what happens when we begin to actually believe those two words, like Levi believed on that day, to follow me. It doesn't just change how we see other people. It changes how we see ourselves. When we begin to follow him, what happens is this. We begin to go, no, Jesus, you're the leader. We're just following you. Jesus, we're going to follow you even when it might be uncomfortable, even when it might be a little bit scary. But God, we're going to follow you. Because here's what I've learned is that the more I studied scripture, every great leader that God has always used has a crazy past. 
You ever seen that in scripture? God uses Moses. Moses had killed a guy. You might want to lay low for a little bit, Moses, you know. No wonder he goes off to be a shepherd for a number of years. God uses David. David messes up, has an affair, doesn't just have an affair, gets Bathsheba's husband killed in war, premeditated murder, starts making all these poor decisions, and yet it's God who would redeem his life. You come in in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who actually God used to write almost half of the New Testament, put Christians in jail until he started following Jesus. We look at Levi, who wrote the book of Matthew, was a tax-collecting, oppressive man until he started following Jesus. The good news is when we see Jesus and we follow Jesus, we see the world entirely different. This is why the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, because they had lost the way of Jesus. And listen to what he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He calls them back to see the way of Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, he said, think of what you were when you were called. He calls them back to before they were followers of Jesus. He says, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential and not many were of noble birth. Do you see what he's saying? He's going, it's not a popularity contest. Doesn't matter how many Instagram followers you got. That's not what Jesus is looking for. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Nobody will boast. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness and holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him who celebrate, celebrate, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done in our life, God. And Levi experienced and began to see what Jesus sees when he actually did two words, follow me. This is why I asked Tom Allen if he would share a little bit of his story because Tom up at IU is a man of God, but here's what he's committed to, following Jesus wherever he's at. And through football, God is changing a campus and spreading his message across our nation. Take a listen to Tom's story right now. Well, I have the honor today to be able to be here with Indiana University's head football coach, Tom Allen, the Big Ten Coach of the Year, the AFCA National Coach of the Year. But more than that, a man who has deepened his yes in Jesus. A matter of fact, Tom, this uh, your yes in Jesus uh, has become known national. Mm -hmm. It's been on college game day. Uh, actually, you'll see his mantra that he lives by. The governor even has worn <laughs> this hat. And there's an acronym that uh, Tom lives by. It's called LEO. And this has caught fire. It's everywhere. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about this mantra that you live by, where it came yeah. from, and how it shaped you, Coach. 
Well, it's pretty amazing how God has used it, you know, on the national stage. You know, I've always lived by it, um, haven't always framed it that way, you know, in terms of putting those three letters to it, but it stands for love each other. Uh, take it from scripture, John 15, 12. And uh, just basically it's the, the premise that I'm going to uh, love the people that God puts in my life. The guys, the, the players he puts in front of me, the, the coaches he puts in front of me, all the people that we're with, uh, the coaches' wives, you know, for my wife, the relationship he has with them. And it's, it goes back to relationships. It's about people and uh, it's about loving people. And Christ first loved us and he was the example and he gave us that command. And uh, so it's just neat to be able to see those three letters just spread across this whole country. And uh, people don't realize it, but they're spreading the, the good news of the gospel right there. I won't lie. For a long time, I thought it was Leo. And I'm going, <laughs> what is Leo? And everybody's oh, yeah. like, it's not Leo, it's yeah. Leo. It's Leo. It's Leo. Right. Right. And then the more I began to realize, like, man, yeah. this is phenomenal. Uh, because I think sometimes, especially as Christians, we feel like, well, we can love one another well at church, yeah. but love almost doesn't work hmm. in the world yeah. or, or it can't be something. Tell me what you found uh, God has done in your life because you've coached a number of places. Obviously, we hope you're here for mm -hmm. a very long time. Yeah. But talk about a little bit of just meeting people right where they are. That's what we found here in Mark chapter 2. Yeah. Jesus met Matthew right where he was. He met these sinners yeah. <laughs> right where they are, and he got in trouble for meeting mm -hmm. people and loving them right sure. Talk about what's your mindset as you just meet people where they are. Well, first of all, you know, with what I do as a coach, you know, it's about connection, you know, and, and it's about, uh, you know, getting to know people. You know, I came here to Indiana. The first three things, the first three letters I wrote on the board at our team meeting for defense was LEO. And I wrote it up there and I said, I bet you guys don't know what these three letters stand for. And they're like, they didn't. And I didn't expect them to. Yeah. But I said, it stands for love each other. That's a room full of, you know, 18 to 22 year old football players, football players. Yeah, that's and it was kind of like crickets you know <laughs> they're like okay this guy's supposed to be our new dc and what's love guy I said and i said i bet you're thinking what does love got to do with football and i said you're going to find out everything and and i was serious and yeah. so and then i started talking about the kind of defense we're going to build and so but then after that i met with him one-on-one -on -one. So every single player in my office one-on-one -on -one, and just writing down everything that they say, talking to them, getting to know them. But here's kind of the key to the whole thing. I say, okay, give me the three most important things in your life. That tells you a lot about somebody yeah. when I write it down. Yeah. And so most of the time there was something in there about their faith, you know, either religion or God or, you know, that was important to them. And so then if they said that, then I would, you know, continue to dig a little deeper. I say, since you just told me that, hey, God, or you know, your faith is one of the most important things to you, then what does that look like? How would you say you're doing in that area right now? Mm -hmm. And so you just get them to, to open up and talk. And so I start writing things down. And then I say at the end, do you mind if I take some prayer requests? And so I take about two or three things that I, so this is how I've always, every place I've gone, this is how I start. And so, but it's just a connection for me to be able to get to know them as a person. Because my whole philosophy is, if they know that I love them way more as a person than as a player, then everything changes because in this profession is so much around performance yeah. and their value gets tied to the performance. And if you can separate those two and you prove that those aren't just empty words, that LEO isn't just a phrase for the wall. This is yeah. coach means this. He's going to love us. He's going to help us become a better man. And, and you got to show him that. And it doesn't happen overnight. And trust me, it didn't just, they didn't walk it out and meet and say, Hey man, we're going to be the <laughs> best defense in the big 10. But, but they learned pretty quickly that this was different than they were used to. And, and it was a process of connecting. And what I, the way I phrase it to you, our coach now is capture the hearts and minds of your players. 
connect from your heart to theirs. And obviously that's what scripture is and that's yeah. what God does. And that's what Jesus did for each one of us. And so yeah. even though it's, it's, it's my job, yeah. it's, it's what I do. And so I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. Yeah. That's what gives me passion and purpose for, for my, yeah. for my calling, which is coaching. But man, I just get to live it out with these guys in their lives. And, and the more you dive into them, the more you care, the more as life happens, you get a chance to, to live it with them and walk alongside them and roll your sleeves up and do all the hard things. But, but that's the part that people misunderstand. They think that this is soft and this is tough. If I choose to love you unconditionally, it's going to be tough things we got to deal with. And when you don't do things the right way, that's where the tough love comes in. Yeah. And that's what we talk about, accountability, toughness, and love in this program. And that's the part that when it gets real and when you're out there on that football field and there's, a, there's an edge you got to have to play this game, but there's also a connection. And the, the more you know I care about you and love you as a person, mm. the harder I can push you then the more I can jump your tail when things aren't right and, and how I can hold you to high standards of, of behavior and performance and all those other things that, that you get you know, graded for on game day, that all gets elevated. And that's why to me, I think it's, there's a, a higher level of toughness that you have when you truly love somebody because I can push you so much harder than I can if there's no relationship. And so to me, it's all about relationships. Well, thanks for making time for us. We know you are high in demand and you made this a priority. And I just want to say thanks for making the time today. Appreciate it, Coach. You're very welcome. Elio. Well, I've never played football. I wanted to play football that day. I wanted to just like, whatever you say, sir, I am in. But I tell you, I loved his line. When they can know that you care about them as a person, more than just a player, that's when everything changes. That's when everything changes. And that's what happened this day with Levi. When Jesus showed up, he didn't see a tax collector and he didn't just see a sinner. He saw a man who was looking for hope and a fresh start. That's what Jesus saw. That's why he could love him. That's why he could meet him right where he's at. After that interview, Tom, we were just talking just what God's done in his life this year. He said he has this picture on his desk. It's a picture that ESPN put up when they were playing Penn State this year. And it was Penn State's percentage, their chance to win at the end of the game with a minute and 47 seconds left. 99.9% .9 chance to win that game. And if you guys know how it turned out, Indiana came back to beat them. And he said, I have this picture framed on my desk so I can tell coaches and players, hey guys, as soon as we take that field, I don't care if we have a 99.9% .9 chance of losing, we got a chance. But he said, I keep it on my desk for myself to remind myself that even if 99.9% .9 of the time I have messed everything up, there's still hope for me. There's still hope for me because of Jesus. And I just got to encourage you today. I don't know if maybe you've resonated more with Levi's story or you've resonated more with the Pharisee story today. No matter who you've resonated with, here's the beautiful thing about the story. Jesus came and talked to both people. He came and he talked to Levi and called him to follow him. And he took the time to talk to the Pharisees. Later on in the book of Acts, it says that many Pharisees began to believe and follow Jesus. The beautiful thing is this, no matter where you and I are on our journey today, Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me.
I can't wait. Ash Wednesday, February 17th. It's not just going to be a night of worship. We already got 11 people signed up to be baptized. We got family dedication that night. It is going to be an absolute party that night. We want to make sure you're here. But I want to invite you right now, even if you're online, if you're going, no, I need to make that step to follow Jesus. I need to, be, I need to respond to his invitation. We just want you, encourage you just to text the word accept to 81411 or go out to the living room after the service and to go, I need this start. I need this fresh and new beginning with Jesus. Matter of fact, here in a moment, we're going to take communion. And I want us to take the bread and the juice together. So, so just kind of hang on for a moment. But here's what I want us to do. I'm going to put a scripture up on the screen. I just want us just to look at, this is Romans chapter three. Before we take communion here, maybe for some of you who feel like Levi or today has humbled you because of the grace of Jesus, just listen what Paul writes. This is a broken man who started seeing the world because he saw Jesus. It says the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. And here's what I want us to do right now. Just take a moment before we take the bread and the juice and we're gonna put that up on the screen and I just want you to begin to say, you know what? I want you to have a real conversation with Jesus. If you've never begun to follow Jesus today, we wanna to invite this moment for you to just have an honest conversation. Or if you are a follower of Jesus to take this time because you know what's beautiful about Jesus? This is why we take the bread and the juice every week because we remember that Jesus took time to have a meal. He called people to himself and then he went to the cross and he died to take away our sin and our shame. And so we're gonna give you a moment to thank God right now, to have a conversation with God. So as they put this up on the screen, just take time. And then what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll take the bread and the juice together. So let's take time right now to talk to our heavenly father as we look at the scripture. Right now, let's take the bread to remember the body that was broken on the cross for us. And let's take the juice to remember what he did. Jesus, we thank you today that you unexpectedly met Levi that day. And here in this place, Jesus, you meet with us and you call us to yourself. And so, Father, we pray for those who are here today and watching online that have not started a relationship with you, that, God, they would know you love them right where they are and you call them by name to follow you. Father, for those who feel unbelievable guilt and shame and remorse, Father, would they know there is grace because of your cross. There's hope and there's mercy because of you. 
And Father, for those of us who have followed you for a long time, God, it is easy to start seeing the world as we want to see the world. But Jesus, help us to see you fresh today so we can see the world the way that you see it. And we can be your light, your hands, and your feet in this world. Jesus, this week, would you help us to follow you because you are our life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. God bless you. May we follow him well this week, everybody. We'll see you next weekend.